We're in the series, What Would Jesus Undo? You know, we all wore the bracelet that said, What Would Jesus Do? And uh, I believe that if Jesus came right now, he'd get to work on undoing some things. Uh, there's a lot of things, even in Christianity, that we think are, are godly things and right things, and we've built up to be our own way and, and by, by man's hand. Are you with me? And I think a lot of us can be like, oh, yeah, if Jesus came, he would really get them, and he would really undo some things. But I think it's more important that we think about it like at a personal level. Like, God, I want you to come in and undo some things in my life. Like, what do you need to fix? Um, I, one of our, uh, there's a guy who comes and does some ministry in the realm of prophecy, uh, like with our church and speaking life into us and some of the staff. And uh, he always uses the expression tune up. Like, God's going to just give us a tune up. And there's actually a scripture uh, that says that every day, I believe it's in Corinthians, it says uh, that every day uh, a person should examine themselves. Like, they should take the time to do inventory and look at their life and say, are there some things that I need to undo? Uh, because I've just built it up, maybe in pride or by my own hand or own will. And so it's good. It's an important thing for us to talk about. What do we need to look at differently? And um, so last week we talked about how we use our words. Life and death is in the power of our tongue. It's amazing how much we walk around and essentially destroy our lives by the words that we speak into existence. And so you could check that one out online. But today I want to talk about one that we all battle, and it's a huge one. And Jesus actually spent a lot of time undoing this one when he was here. Uh, there's so much in Scripture about this one, but it's something that we all just continue to face, and that's the idea of fear. Fear is just such a big deal that we battle every single day. Uh, we said in first service, it's something you battle multiple times a day. You may have fear, get over the fear in the day, and then find that fear again later in the day. It's just a challenge that we face. But here's the truth about fear. Your reactions or the filter that you use to make decisions primarily run through two places of life that you're in. One, as things are presented to you and opportunities come, if you're living in a place of fear and negativity and doubt, as those things come to you, you react from a place of fear and doubt and discouragement and you're not whole. And so you make the wrong decision as they come because you're in this fear place. When you're in a whole place with God and a faith-filled place and opportunity comes, you can react out of a proper place and make the proper decision and see proper fruit. Does that make sense? And so that's the danger of it is we can't just ignore you know, you can't just say, well, you know, it's just what I am. We've just always been fearful people. Well, the problem with that is like all of your reactions that filter used is going to be great damage. We have to figure out how to do this thing right. Uh, how we recognize things really runs from a place of fear or, or love or wholeness. The scripture uh, is so full of the conversation of fear and what to do with it. Many of you have probably seen this image floating around on Facebook, but over 365 times in scripture, uh, we're commanded to fear not, or a scripture that tells you to not be a person of fear. It's actually the number one command in scripture is to be somebody who doesn't fear. Uh, so think of that, of all the promises, of all the commands, of all the things that the Bible's trying to tell us, the number one thing that it's trying to tell you is, hey, don't be a person who stays stuck in a fearful lifestyle. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Uh, and so why is that important? Well, the reason that the scripture wants to say it so much is because the number one weapon or the biggest play that the enemy tries to make on people is fear. Why? Because the greatest strength that we have as people is boldness. If we ever believe what God says about us is really true, if that ever gets in us and we ever come to full revelation and we have full understanding, we walk in full faith and full boldness, it will do great disservice to the enemy. Amen. So he's over here working overtime to try to just get that boldness out of us because of the destruction that it will cause to his kingdom. Amen. 
So that's a really big way of saying like, like, hey, listen, we got to get this thing right because the enemy's trying to stifle it. He wants you so bold. If you think about, you've heard me say this before, we, we're like the terminators. I mean, we're indestructible. There's nothing that can stop us as God's children. Literally, you see God created and it's amazing and he's incredible and he created. Then there was the fall, but then God came and restored and sent his son Jesus and restored us and made us incredible. And then before Jesus ascended, he left us the Holy Spirit, which is power, the scripture says. So we're so fully equipped. And it's like the way we can approach the enemy is a tank. And some of us are like trying to approach the enemy like on a scooter, you know, a little Meyer thing. You got your basket and it beeps when it goes backwards. And like, no, like the boldness that we can have as God's believer, not to go make a show for ourselves or to be obnoxious, but to be effective. Are you with me? And so that's why he makes it such a big deal. And, and the scripture says that the enemy, he's the accuser of the brother. And what is he doing? He's accusing you. He's lying to you. He's pestering you to try to make you what? Fear-filled so that you don't walk in the way that you're called to walk. Uh, fear, fear is appreciating the enemy's ability. When you're a person who lives in fear or, or, or uh, lets fear be a part of your lifestyle, uh, the enemy's over here saying, like, oh, I want to do this and I want to get you this way. And when we worry about that, you're almost giving appreciation to the ability of the enemy. Yeah. We cannot put our faith in that. Amen. Amen. So do not fear. All the times, think about it this way. In Scripture, I love what Pastor Bill Johnson says. He says, all the times in Scripture where God gives somebody the instruction to not fear, it's because the grace is present there and within reach for them to have their victory. So he shows up and he's like, hey, listen, this is this. And it's, we're talking about crazy stuff, outnumbered and armies and all of these things going on. And he says, listen, hey, don't fear this. Why? Because he understands that as God, he already gave them all the grace that they needed to have that victory. Amen. It's right there. Yeah. And so same thing. Every time you wake up, you just go, you know what? The grace has already been given for me to have this victory. I'm not going to live in fear. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 12. It says, even I am, it says, even I am he who comforts you. Speaking of God, this is God. I even, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that mere mortal human beings, uh, sorry, who are you that you fear mere mortal human beings who are but grass? That you forget the Lord your maker who stretches the heavens and lays the foundations of the earth, that you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor who is bent on destruction. For where is the wrath of the oppressor? Here's God in heaven who, again, the whole, you know, I created things. I put everything in place. You got all these problems in your life. You got all these situations. You got all these things that you're letting fear run your life, keep you up at night. Are we going to make enough money? Are we going to be able to pay bills? Is this marriage going to make it? Is our future secure? We got all these kinds of things that we're giving our attention to in the realm of fear. And he's like, listen, listen, I'm the one who put everything in place. I put all this, like I am he who comforts you. Why do you worry about all these mortal things when I'm doing all of this? Are you with me? Uh, it happens to us because we're human. It happened to the disciples in Mark chapter four. You literally get the verse about the parable of faith. The, the, the faith of a mustard seed. Jesus gives the disciples this instruction in Mark chapter 4. He's like, if you have faith of a mustard seed, then God, you can do this, and it'll be great. And, you can, and he gets all built up. And then they get on a boat, and they go into the water, and there's the waves and the wind and all this stuff, and Jesus is sleeping. And they all get afraid. They all get terrified. Uh, they all get completely freaked out, and they go down, and they get Jesus, and they wake him up. And he says to them, why are you so afraid? Then he says, do you still have no faith? 
I believe he says the same thing to us. Hey, everybody, I'm coming here to undo this in your life. Stop participating with fear. What would Jesus undo? He would undo the way that we participate in fear. He would be like, listen, you remember we had the whole talk and I told you about the mustard thing and faith and all this. And I come up here and still no faith. Like, come on. I thought we handled this. I thought we dealt with this. And I think he says the same thing to us now. It's like he's looking down and he's like, what's with the fear? You're the terminators that I've made. Like, you can handle this. Nothing can destroy. Amen. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13. It says, all your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. Peace, not fear, peace. In righteousness, you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. It's saying when you're in righteousness, when you're in God, peace is there and fear is far from you. He's saying this is an oil and water thing here. Like when you're in God and you're found in him, like we don't let, we don't let fear and oppression and things that drain you, we don't let those participate. Amen. But the problem is we do. The problem is that we choose to. Things happen in our life and we get on the phone and we start like last week using our words to say, he's an idiot, she's an idiot, it's never going to change. We say things like it's hopeless, it's da, da, da. And we start just receiving all of the fear and buying in and telling other people, are you with me? And it's no, our reaction needs to be, hey, it may look like this, but from a place of faith, I'm saying this fear must leave. I'm not going to let this oppression come on my life because it doesn't belong in me because of the righteousness that I'm called to. Amen. When I grew up, I grew up a church kid. I guess I still am. (laughs) It's like I turned in my card. I was once a church kid, but I, I went to the place and we terminated that. But, uh, but back in the day, uh, and bless their heart, you know, denominations and different people would, they were just very extreme about everything. And you've heard of the name it, claim it, and just all this different stuff. And there was like this movement where you were like not saved if you ever got afraid. So it's like, oh, I'm going through this thing. It was like, oh, no, 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 the spirit of God, you know, there, where there's, and it's like just hit you with this, God has not given us a spirit of fear, you know, like you must not be saved because you got afraid. And I'm like, well, like snakes are scary still, you know, like uh, you keep trying to pass them in church, you know, no, if you guys can get the snakes, we'll see, we're going to test this fear thing, but there was actually this whole thing that was like, don't ever say you're afraid, don't ever say you got afraid, don't ever say that you feel fear coming, don't, don't, don't ever, you can't talk like that, or you're not a Christian, but even David said in Psalm 56, 3, Whenever I'm afraid, I trust in you. I don't stay in a place of fear. Whenever I feel afraid, whenever I feel like it's not going to work out, whenever I feel like it's not going to come together, I don't let myself stay in that place. I make a decision that's faith-filled to take action, and it's trust in God. It's follow what he said. It's go with what he's called us to be. It's possible to have faith and fear at the same time. You're like, well, wait, no, that's not possible. You're either faith or you're... No, it's possible for you to be faith-filled and experience something fearful, but what you do with that makes the difference. It's not wrong to have fear. It's dangerous to let fear be the foundation of your decisions or your reactions. It's, you know, this thing's making me afraid. The doctor's report, the bank account, the business doesn't look like it's doing. I got all this stuff. And it, it presents itself as a fear. But then you make a decision to make a faith step. Amen. Yeah. 
And that's how we reject fear. That's how we push away those fearful things. You've heard it said like this, worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. When we let ourselves worry and we rehearse these situations, it's literally like this thing may never come in my life, but I'm worried that it one day could. And so by spending worry, it's like you're putting it on layway for your life. Amen? I was a church kid. We also did layway too. So I'm like, see, no one knows what layway is. My kids are spoiled with Amazon. Like they're just walking around like we need that. And they expect it in two days, you know, and they get it, you know. I'm going to teach him about layway this year. <laughs> Jess has layway. She gets toys and lays them away up in the rafters downstairs. And then when she's gone, I'm like, guys, you want a new toy? <laughs> and that's not a lie. <laughs> <laughs> so don't lay away your fear on a, on, a, on a thing that may never be a part of your life. But stop putting those down payments. Amen? Yeah. Thought about it like this. How would you treat a friend in your life that lied to you as much as fear does? Would you let that person continue to be a part of your life? Would you let that person be around and stick around and be so active in your life? No. Why do we let fear, which is such a liar, be such a big part of our time in our life? We got to reject it. We have to put it out. Amen. Matthew chapter 14 gives us an amazing story about fear and how to react. Matthew chapter 14 story says Jesus goes off to pray and the disciples again go out on the boat and uh, in verse 25 we pick up it says during the fourth watch of the night Jesus went out to them so it's middle of the night walking on the lake when the disciples saw him walking on the lake they were terrified it's a ghost they said and they cried out in fear uh, previous to them going out on the water it was the same scenario they just had these great faith-filled experiences with God people being healed miracles all this stuff they were completely built up and then when the unfamiliar presented itself to them they reacted in fear and many of us do the same thing you know we can handle what we're familiar with but when something unfamiliar comes in it's like oh, I don't know and we let fear and we're like I'm not going to put myself out there and so we immediately cast it to be something that's not a good thing I'm telling you this the more you walk with God Sometimes the weirder, the more out of the boat, the more uncomfortable things are, the better it is in God. Shouldn't get so afraid of it. Amen? Amen. No? There's a few. John's with me. That's good. As long as I got John. I don't know what will get done, but something. Terminators. Terminators. There you go. So one moment, great faith. The next moment, great fear. They responded to it that way because it was the unknown. Verse 27. But then Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Notice he didn't rebuke them for getting afraid. That's the whole old school thinking of like, uh-oh, they got afraid. They must not be saved. They don't love God. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be a person who lives in fear. So he says, take courage. The reaction to the fear moment was a step of doing something. Are you with me? A lot of us just get fear and we shut down. Something happens, we get afraid, we just go in the turtle show, we just hide. And Jesus thinks like, hey, you got afraid? Now take a faith step. Do something toward him, amen? Amen. He was saying, change your moment. Kicking fear requires action. Verse 28, Peter replies, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Because Peter understands to leave a place of fear, you're called to a place of action. A faith-filled reaction, which is always moving towards God. Always moving toward Jesus, amen? When you hear from God, it pulls you from fear into faith. Verse 29, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. You will always get to do the extraordinary when you react in faith over fear. 
Everybody wants to be a part of something great. Everybody wants to be a part of a move or a great thing and a, and a big deal. You will always get to do the extraordinary when you leave fear for faith. We got to be a people who don't cling to and hold to moments of fear, but instead we take steps in faith. Eleven other people missed the extraordinary opportunity to walk on water because they stayed in the boat, which was a place of fear. Peter was one of two people to walk on water because he choose, chose to let faith determine his reaction, not fear. He said, I'm not going to stay in this place of fear. I'm going toward where Jesus is, which is the better place to be. Amen. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And that's where I mentioned it earlier, but it's the same thing to you. Listen, I can get afraid at 9 o'clock, and I can be full of faith at 1030 and get afraid again at 1 p.m. And it doesn't mean I'm doing it wrong. It doesn't mean that, like, I don't have enough of God in me. It just That's what the enemy tries to do to us. Same thing's happening to Peter. He takes a faith step, he gets out in it, and then fear comes back. But the, the important thing is that what? You keep your eyes on Jesus. So it, said, uh, so, the, so it said, but then when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. When fear presented itself a second time, his reaction was the same. God, I need you to save me from this fear. I don't need Dr. Phil. I don't need to read a 10-step book. I need God to save me from this place. Amen. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And I feel like it's the same message that he said in all the other ones. Like, oh, Peter, come on. I thought we did this. I thought we handled this fear thing. Why are you doing the little faith thing? Remember we're the big faith thing, the Timothy thing. Remember I put everything in order? Why are you doing the little faith thing again? Amen. It's the same thing to you when you get fear. Just hear God saying, like, don't do the little faith thing. Come on, let's do the big faith thing. Amen. Winston Church. Oh, so then it says this. It says in verse 32. It says, and then they climbed to the boat and the winds died down. Essentially, you know, success happened in their life. And so fear, faith, fear, faith. But then they got the result that they were looking for. Winston Churchill said this, fear and faith are two forces very similar that have the ability and power to create something out of nothing, bringing into being that which doesn't exist. So it's really your choice. If you want to just choose to spend your energy and fear and bring in something negative into existence, go ahead. Or if you want to choose to use your energy to be faith-filled and bring the, the godliness into your existence, that's the better way to live, right? Yeah. It's your choice. Both essentially take place. Uh, and so I'd say this about as you walk on water, uh, be cautious. You know, Peter began to sink because he looked at his surroundings he tried to measure the waves, and he heard the thunder, and he heard the haters in the boat being like, look at Peter, he's trying to walk on water. He ain't Jesus, right? And trying to do their whole thing. And they'll say that about your life. Oh, look at you. You're trying to serve. Look at you trying to make a difference in your community. You ain't Jesus, right? They'll try to do it to you. And really what happened is Peter gets out there, and he stops for a minute of being focused on Jesus, keeping his eyes on Jesus. And instead, my opinion is, and what scripture says, he begins, takes his eyes off Jesus. My opinion is he, he looked at his surroundings. What he tried to do was measure what was happening around him. And then he put his trust in what he could handle. And we do it all the time. We get in a situation where we're fear-filled or we got this thing that we can't handle and we begin to take our eyes off God and what he said and we go, how can I fix it? How can I handle it? What can I do in these surroundings? And we try to do it by our own might, don't we? That's the moment he sank. We got to keep our eyes fixed on God. Amen. Uh, they say in uh, Fortune 500 companies, I was listening to a podcast of a guy. He was saying that um, fear, even of Fortune 500 company people, great successful people, millions, even billions in the bank, they still deal with fear. 
you would think you would get to a place of almighty dollar. You're so powerful. Nobody can. And uh, he said, as he comes in and helps them with goals, uh, he works with them in creating their goals. Uh, he said, they're all fear-based for all these companies. You just get in these great places of fear. Uh, he could help somebody write a goal that's really general. And so we all do it at the beginning of the year. This year, I'm going to save more money. This year, I'm going to lose weight. This year, I'm going to spend more time with family. But when we say, hey, like in January, how much money are we going to save? And we put a number to that. And how much, like on the second week of March, like how much weight are we going to lose that week? And we draw everything in great detail. He said, all of these businessmen begin to freak out and they back out of everything and they get very fear-filled. Why? Because then the, the, the pressure of how they could potentially fail. And of course, ego is involved and stuff like that. When they get, and so here's the thing, they avoid it. And they say, oh, we don't want to go that deep. We don't want to do this. And they begin to avoid it. And here's the deal about it. Failure is going to happen one way or another. Like if you just avoid it and you ignore it, you're not going to have the result that you want. You might as well commit to it and see, do your best, even if you do fail. Does that make sense? And so it's interesting uh, in that we do the same thing. I think even in God, we say, oh, God, we want this. We want to be used like this. And then when we begin to measure it. So how many Sundays does that look like that we serve? And how many prayer groups do we go to? And how many times? I'm not talking to you guys. That's left over from first service. But you know what I'm saying? How are we going to put that in place and measure it? And hold ourselves to it. If God, I want you to use me. I want to make it. We want to be a godly family. How many Sundays does that mean you attend in a, in a year? Right? And so, yeah, uh, I'll leave it there. <laughs> I'll close with this. Uh, here's what I really believe. And this may just be me personally. And, of course, I was pretty emotional about this in first service. So I'm trying to get through it. But here's what I really believe, the heart of the Father, our Heavenly Father. I really do believe his heart is like this toward us. Uh, and I'll give you just this example in the moment. Uh, so we have a, a travel trailer, a camper trailer that we go camping in. And uh, we take it out to where our dirt bike track is, my in-law's place. And we hang out out there. My son is three. And so he's, you know, obviously growing and learning things and developing. And, uh, and so there's a bunk bed. Uh, the back of the trailer has two different bunk beds. One's my daughter's, one's his. Of course, there's a ladder. And so he likes to get up on Caroline's bed. He likes to be up at the top. Uh, until he has to get down. He's afraid of heights. What a wuss, right? Uh, I'm afraid of heights. But uh, so anyway, so he gets real scared. So he'll get to the edge and the ladder comes up and there's kind of like these handles at the top. And if he just slides to it, he can hold those handles and get down. But for him, he wants me to hold his hand, have a leg, kind of help him back down. So I've been working with him on it, just working with him. And he'll get into position and then that fear will hit, right? So for me as the heavenly father, if you'll let me, you know, as the father, I'm watching them. Nothing makes me more proud as a parent. Yes, I love giving gifts to them. Yes, I love seeing them have a good time. And we go to Crazy Bounce and Chuck E. Cheese. And I love seeing them have a lot of fun. But nothing brings me a greater joy than to see my kids growing and like, accomplishing things and taking steps that makes me the most proud of all the things that make me happy about them it's it's seeing them get it and take a step so he's getting in position and as a as the father i'm so excited to see him have a breakthrough and be able to make it so of course he wants me to hold a leg he wants me to hold an arm i said nobody you can do it hold those hands i know you can do it you're a big boy right and he loves it but he gets in a position and he he looks over at me fear-filled about getting down and he looks to me and I'm over here saying 
You can do it, buddy. You can do it. I know you can do it. You are a big boy. You're Charlie. I know you can do this. You're and he draws confidence in faith from his father who believes in him, who's saying, you can do this. You're able. It will happen. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Look at me. I'm right here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's the heart of the father to even us and all the things we do. God's right there all throughout scripture saying, hey, the grace is there for you to have victory. I'm right here. It will happen. I'll catch you if it doesn't work. The grace, amen? And of course, if he takes too long, I just throw him down. <laughs> like you took too long. And God will actually do that to you too. <laughs> I don't throw him down. But God will throw you down if you take too long of what he's asking you to do. Amen? No. <laughs> Some of you haven't walked with him long enough. He will knock you down if you don't get it going. But same thing. Uh, he's out riding his four-wheeler. You know me. I see a sermon and everything. They were making jokes uh, this weekend as we were all hanging out doing Fourth of July stuff. Um, they were making because I see sermons and everything. And so a different, a different thing happened over the weekend. And they were like, that's going to end up in a sermon. Like, oh, great. You know, you're like, people don't want to hang out with me because there's sermon content. <laughs> I get short on sermons. I just invite a lot of people over for the weekend. <clears throat> like, somebody's going to do something worth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you guys doing this weekend? I don't know. Uh, so anyway, Charlie, I'm riding my dirt bike, and he's on this. It's not quite a power wheel. It's a little bit bigger than that. It has a little bit more power. And he's riding that thing around. Of course, he's got his helmet. And it's powerful enough that it can do, like, all the jumps, like our big dirt bike ramps and stuff. He's not jumping it. He does that on my bike with me. But anyway, so he's doing all the jumps and he's so proud of himself. He's doing great. And uh, there's this turn called a berm turn where you take dirt and it's kind of like a corner and you make a shape out of it. So when you hit it with your dirt bike, you can kind of rail it and keep your speed. And he's on a four-wheeler and those aren't really supposed to go on them the way that we made them. And, uh, and so when he goes on it, as he hits it, it, it tips. And of course, as he's crashed and learned how to ride and stuff, we're, we're watching him overcome his fear of, you know, falling off or what's going to happen. And of course, as a dad, I'm proud of him for learning and crashing and being tough and becoming a man, right? Like eating dirt and all that good stuff. So he's doing his thing and, and I'm watching him and I know he's going to tip over. Now, it's not high. I don't want you to think he's up on a ramp. You guys sending child protective services over, but it's a ground thing. And so he does it, and of course it tips over. And he's so funny, because whenever he like stubs a toe or gets hurt or whatever, he's like, I'm okay, I'm tough. And so he does that, he's got his helmet and his gloves, and he gets up and he's dusting off. He's like, I'm okay, dad, I'm tough. But the next day we were teaching his cousins how to ride a dirt bike. And so I'm going over everything, and I'm like, you know, don't do this, don't do this. And you know, I'm doing all this stuff. And so he pipes in and says, hey, he's like, and then in the turns, he said, you take the flat turns, take the flat turns. He's trying to tell him not to go on the berm because they'll tip over. But listen, him overcoming his thing then gave him wisdom to help somebody else. Him having breakthrough in his life and coming into a revelation about how things work then allowed him to open the door to somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? Every time we have breakthrough in an area of fear or what we doubt or what an anxiety is or whatever's trying to hold us down, every time you get breakthrough, not only do you get it, but then you get to bring somebody through with you. It's a huge deal that we got to get right. Amen? So any of you that have lost sleep at night, you're literally just staying up thinking on something, rehearsing it just again, is it going to work? Is this ever going to happen? Is this ever going to be? Is it supposed to be? All of these things that you keep just meditating again in your mind, in your mind, in your mind. We all do that. And the good thing about that is 
that means you already know how to meditate. You already know how to just go over something. Go, now we just got to start meditating on the right thing. What God says, what God's word says. That's why Joshua 1.8 in the New Living Translation says, study this book of instruction continually, speaking of the Bible. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. When you have a moment of anxiety or of fear or of doubt and all those things start coming in, don't jump online and read some blog about some secular professional person's opinion. Get in this book and study it and get a word for yourself. When you're going through something that's a struggle, don't call your friends and get people that will just pacify you and agree with you and tell you're right, you're right, you don't. No, get in the word and get good people in your life that are gonna hold up your arms and strengthen your backbone. And are you with me? And so it says, only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. We gotta get words from God that we can run with when the fears present themselves, amen? Psalm 34, four says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. I'm thankful it doesn't say troubles and struggles. It literally says he handles our fears. But you sought the Lord first. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord, your God, will hold your right hand. He said it that way because he wants you to, he's talking about nearness. He says, I'm going to hold your right hand saying to you, fear not, I will help you. I'm so glad we don't have to depend on Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz and whatever all the other ones are. I don't know what they are. John. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 6. So we may boldly say, that's with great confidence, like it's at our core. It's something we depend on. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and because of that, I will not fear. What can man do to me or what can this world do to me? Nothing. Because all of our trust and hope and belief, everything is hinged in God and his righteousness, who's our helper, who loves us, who cares for us. Amen.